Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Knoxville Game Design Chat Podcast. Uh, this month, this game we're going to be talking about is uh, Crashlands by Butterscotch Shenanigans. Uh, before we get into it, I uh, just want to talk about the group and who we are. Knoxville Game Design, you can find out information about us at knoxgamedesign.org. And um, we have upcoming, we meet every second Sunday of the month. And then next month is uh, Ludumdare, which uh, we will meet at the uh, Teco, at our meeting space, April 15th. So if you're in the Knoxville area, April 15th, 7 p.m., and you want to come hang out for the kickoff, we don't keep the session or the, the space open the entire weekend. We have hard, cold uh, cement floors. It wouldn't be comfortable. Um, but we do do the kickoff at 9 p.m. for when the theme is announced. We sort of hang out and chat then, so if you want to come out, more than welcome to do so. Join me for this episode. I have Levi Smith. Hello. Uh, Jeffrey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jacob. My voice is more hoarse than usual, so don't worry about that. Okay. And Dylan. Hello. And myself, Michael Neal. Um, uh, as hosts, and we've all played the game. And last bit of news at the top is the game for next month is Dark Mouse. Uh, M-A-U-S is the spelling on that. You can find it on Steam for $9.99. That will be our next game. I'll just admit I sort of filibustered that one, so I will uh, stay silent on the next couple of choices, having used my my one rock or whatever I've thrown in. Like, there's my pebble. I've I've thrown it in now. That's my my one. So uh, just get things off. Just go around the room of what we've been playing uh, lately, non-Crashlands. Uh, so for the past months, I've been working on some games that are based on past arcade games. So I've been going back and playing some of those older arcade games through emulators like MAME. Uh, I play uh, Tetris Blitz and uh, W Casino uh, <laughs> mobile games. <laughs> mobile. I've been play- I've been replaying through the Undertale demo a couple of times to see what happens when I do this or that. And been working on stuff in RPG Maker and Game Maker. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I've been playing Rogue Legacy. My friend John has been streaming it, and we've basically been just trading off. So we've got that co-op aspect. Uh, I have I've watched a couple of streams uh, of that. I think I just lurked. I didn't have time to chat or, or heckle you guys. Uh, I loaded up. So I, I went to South by Southwest, which is why this is being recorded a week late. It's my fault. And I loaded up my Vita with all those free PS Plus games that I never play on my Vita. And it's like, it's Vita time. And uh, the only one, because Crashlands took up so much time, that I actually loaded up was Thomas Was Alone, uh, which is an indie game from a year or two back that was popular. And I don't think I'm going to finish it. It does a lot of uh, style with the dialogue and the narrative is its focus. And I played a couple hours of it, and the platforming just wasn't interesting at all to me. So I may not pick that up again, or I may give it a second shot at some point, but uh, that's where it's been at. So our game this month was Crashlands by Butterscotch Shenanigans. I do remember my request being of... I think, I think technically I did say I don't want this narrative-heavy game, you know, that we're going to really get into. Um, but uh, Jeffrey picked this game, and he was the one that recommended it. Granted, it was sight unseen. It was just uh, you know, off an email, really. And didn't realize it has like an average 30-hour play time 
to finish. But uh, since it's your game, I'll let you go first with your thoughts. Well, I, I kind of like the... Uh, I just bought it on mobile. I didn't buy it on Steam Store. Um, but I kind of like the the touch aspect of the playability. And uh, they seem to do a good job just making it a fun, quirky little story that you know is easy to play. And uh, I like the craftiness aspect. You know, it was just a well-put-together thing, I guess. I didn't have a whole lot to say about it. I, I didn't get... <laughs> A whole big far into it. I've been quite busy this month uh, with work, but uh, that's kind of like I guess if y'all mention something, like this part, I'll, I'll chime in. in. <laughs> You're okay there, Jeffrey, Jacob. Yeah, All right, well, why don't you go? Your clear. No, I I also get it on mobile because then I could play on it in like other places, I guess, and. Uh, one thing I've been I haven't played through it for very long, like my dad. Uh, I did like the uh, aspect of having like quests, in, like a sandbox game, like that. What it was like narrative heavy. It had quests, and it was sandbox. I really like the idea of having quests in a sandbox game. It's like it adds more things to do in a game when you add quests, because then you can go out and do something. Wow, like, you go and do something, like, and just do other things, like, kill this thing or get that thing and bring it over here or destroy that thing or build that thing. It just adds a more thing, something else you could do, like, something deeper that allows you to get something that you need. If you want to build, like, this giant thing that goes into the moon or something, I don't know, just, I find it to be very interesting. I think they kind of use the quests as a tutorial to further your gameplay too a little bit. Yeah, it did. It definitely guided on. Dylan, um, I I was actually surprised I like this game. Going, <laughs> oh, I say that going in like games like Minecraft are actually to me kind of really intimidating because I feel like if you're playing a crafting game, I'm not gonna get all of the content that's in it. But as I got used to it, um, I really in, enjoyed it because when I played Minecraft, that was the reason I played Minecraft. When I, uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV. It's kind of the same. I almost, in, in fact, I was like, I could be doing my crafting and combat there. Everyone <laughs> made a lot of World of Warcraft, the whole crafting and gathering of resources yeah. and things like that. The combat system actually reminded me of Final Fantasy XIV because it kind of telegraphs where the monster is going to be, and so then your uh, response to it is to act. Um, it was really funny because the first night I bought it, I think I played for about two hours, and I put up, you know, I bought it on Steam. I put up the computer, and I'm like, this is on Kindle. I will buy it so I can continue playing this game. Um, was it? It was not. Oh. Thankfully, because <laughs> I did. I bought it on. I bought it on my Kindle. It was, what? The Play Store. Play Store. Oh, Play Store. Yeah. It was one of those things I dove in really deep and didn't like. And then kind of came up and like, how much time have I put into this? Um, so it's got kind of that treadmill aspect that. I have, I have the short-term reaction, which is, this is really fun. Let's just do one more build or one more quest. And I have the long-term reaction of, like, 
there are tons of treadmill games, you know, what am I doing with my life? Um, as far as design goes, um, it was one of those things that on the PC it was hard to, like I had to keep reminding myself, oh yeah, this is built so that it can be played on tablets. Not, not that, you know, it's a downgrade, but that the experience is, is pretty similar. Um, which it's kind of interesting because the amount you have to click to make combat work. Um, Meaning like the constant tap. Yeah, like I'm like, I'm going to break my mouse. Um, <laughs> the, the other design aspects that I thought were funny, like a lot of the, the information like tracking the schematics, inventory, they seem like they're limited to uh, in-game objects. I can't just like pull up my data at will. Um, felt a little weird to me at first. Uh, tracking uh, one thing at a time seems kind of weird since like World yeah. of Warcraft and Final F or Fantasy XIV have multiple tracking. And because of that, like I think the idea is they want you to use teleportation because it's free. Um, I had that problem as well. It's like I had to go back to my home base every time I wanted to track something new. Can I just pull my inventory here and say, I want to build this? and show me what it is without going home every time. Yes. Definitely, especially when you're like, I'm in a zone of, of these resources right now and I don't remember exactly what else I need. And it'd be nice to know before I teleported back I had it all. I do think it's, it's built kind of in, with the, the idea of I'm going to teleport out, do this thing, come back, which is usually not how I play the games. Um, I think the funny thing, those things bothered me at first, but... As I got into playing, it was like it didn't matter, which I thought was kind of ironic because as a business developer, I tend to get frustrated at people wanting like the absolute perfect UI, and I'm like, now that's me. I'm that guy. Um, I think the biggest thing is like it's it's built to reduce friction. Um, there is no inventory. There is a clear progression on schematics between stations. Um, you don't have to build everything. They have the furniture there, but you know, if you're getting through it, you just want to focus on the weapons and armor. So, it, you know, it was easy to do the, uh, just one more game, just one more quest, just one more build, and end up spending like a couple more hours. Um, which was interesting, because I saw, I saw an article about the developers of this on Kotaku, and they were talking about like, because one of them, I think, went through cancer like yeah. treatments beforehand. And they basically saying this was designed as escapism. Um, you know, we play tested this with um, someone who's going through anxiety and depression. We play tested this with someone going through or a returning veteran with PTSD, a cancer patient, and they got the response that they were looking for, which is losing themselves in the game. Which is again that feeling of like, oh, how much time did I put into this? You know, oh yeah. You know, we, and it's it's interesting because escape the, the flip side of escapism is just like that addiction one more one more. Um, I definitely felt like it was like a time sink. If I needed to kill a yeah. lot of time, this is the game that I would want to play. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah. So, like, there are tons of games like that, and I don't understand how people play them all. But I think they play differently than I do and more than I do. Yeah, I played World of Warcraft for like the last one of my late twenties. It's like oh, I just lost four years of my life. Where did that go? Well, that, the the thing I thought was like 
I, I played World of Warcraft too. I played it for different reasons. Um, I was the like what finally did kill it for me was my experience was limited to raids. I'm on the treadmill. I hate the treadmill. Like I like the treadmill, but I end up hating myself after the treadmill. That was more of a single player in World of Warcraft. I like doing the raids, but when the raids got to be a job, it's like oh, you got to be here at this time and spend four or five hours and harvest your resources. That's what killed World of Warcraft for me. And I think some players, some players actually are looking for that treadmill. They yeah. like it. it. It's it's the reason I stopped World of Warcraft. It's the reason I stopped Diablo. It's kind of the reason I stopped playing Borderlands. So I, like I can look back at a series of these games, but there's an audience for it. And it's worth understanding. And that's what I like about this game. You can pick it up, play for however long yeah. you want, put it down. You're voted a specific amount of time or anything for this game. It's really easy to pick up and put down. Okay, all right, well, Levi got the furthest in the game. Uh, none of us finished the game. Uh, like, I wasn't joking about 30 hours. So I, we, I elected Levi to go last, and he may have the most uh, perspective and comments on some of it and can correct us. So I'll go ahead and take the next slot. And, you know, the major thing was I was surprised. I was surprised by the depth of the game. Like, I didn't go into it expecting this 20-plus, 30-hour for a game game. game, it was pretty. Yeah. It was very impressive. That is four ninety nine, five ninety nine on iOS. You know, even for the the fourteen fifteen dollars it was on um, Steam. Steam, like that's just not what you expect right now. You know, I expect you know, ten hours maybe, uh, maybe a replay a couple of times to get to that mark. So it did surprise me uh, on that. I wrote most of these notes at the ten hour mark. Uh, and I've played a couple hours since then, like a, the video I recorded for the background of this podcast on YouTube. I, you know, that's two more hours that I've played since then. Um, but I thought that was important to mark when I did that. And I had just unlocked the bog, which is the second um, biome, which actually was kind of soul-crushing a little bit. Because it felt like I was doing the thing, the hedgehog or whoever the evil guy is. I'm not sure how you say the Hugo Dago, Hugo Dago, or, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that. There's probably it's like oh here's it's it's this, and I'm like oh I see because everything was like just a slight spelling change on a normal pronunciated word. Um, I fought him, and you know, and I was like all right, we're fighting the big bad guy, and who this is a good ten hour game, and then it's like oh no, everything you did you're going to do again. Like we're just going to hit the reset button, new zone, new materials, new things to make, new furniture. And then that was sort of like, uh, I'm, I'm not ready at this moment to like, that's too much. And I just sort of closed the iPad and set it aside. I'm like, I can't, you're asking too much of me right now. Did you actually get back into it? I did, I did, like, pick up to it later. Sort of like Link to the Past, you get the first three pendants, you get the Master Sword. Oh, yes, I've completed the game. No, it's just the No, game. you just scratch the surface, you're only getting started. The gameplay is very, very similar to Don't Starve. Except, uh, like Jacob was saying, the quest system. Like, don't starve is sort of glad you're survive for the night, build things to help you survive longer and fight bigger beasts. But there isn't a very explicit reason for your survival. Whereas what I do like about Crash exactly like Jacob said, is that we're explicit. There's always a quest. There's sometimes four or five quests going on at once that you need to do. And these are progressing the story and getting you more things to craft and unlock. And then they're, they're advancing your um, equipment and the resources you get. Unfortunately, it's sort of a very quick cycle of, 
quests to get schematic, to get equipment, to get quests, to get schematic, to get equipment, to get quests, to get schematic, to get equipment. And that loop was probably the one thing that I don't like about it is it was so tight. It really did feel like an MMO, like a World of Warcraft of like, yeah. we're just a mechanic loop of resource gathering and spending. And the quests on it are really fetch quests that just fit into the same loop. But at the same time, I have like 15 hours playing it. Like, I mean, I still got sucked in and I played it and I did the thing. And that said, though, I feel like even when you get to the bog, they introduce new mechanics for enemies. They introduce new mechanics for resource gathering. Like, there's something to be gained in that loop, but... Even as high as it is. Maybe I, I just didn't see them, but it was all like upgrade your... Um, no, you're right. There is a little yeah. thing where you feed things to things yeah. to get the resource, and they blow up. So you are right. Yes, you are correct. They did um, evolve that a little bit in the gathering. And then actually... So what kept me in the game was the combat, because the combat, maybe because I am a, a, a checklist has to be cleared player. So if I get a quest, it has to be done. And since this game never stops giving you quests, I could never stop completing quests. And I actually feel like I raced further down the quest line than I was intended to. Like, my base was just the most barest, functional list of furnaces and and workbenches. Nothing else going in. I never bothered with furniture. I never bothered with flooring. I never bothered setting up a farm to grow things and make a sustainable environment. I think that's... What we've talked about before, though, in other meetings at our game design meeting here, is that the younger generation, though, spends a lot of time on that customization and stuff. But our, you know, 30s, 40s, you know, old guys, like, we're that old school genre where it's get the checklist done. It's exactly not mess around with the customizations and, you know. And I love Minecraft, and I mess around with the customization of Minecraft all the time. And it's just like, if you give me that checklist, it's like... I fall off the wagon and I'm back to like, gotta do all the checklists, gotta do all the things, there must be an objective or it's not a game. Somebody must be winning for somebody must be losing, you know? It's like all these things come back to the surface and I can't just sit back and go like, I'm gonna craft this really cool chair and decorate my throne room. And uh, I did create a uh, graveyard because they give you a tombstone. I, yeah. I, I made a graveyard and a teleport. I made a graveyard. It's like every time I die, I just play this gravestone. And eventually those things just get really big because keep Yes, because you will keep dying. Um, the combat, now I didn't play it on PC. On PC I might have felt it like a lot of clicking, like you said. But on touch, it works really, really well. Complaint here is it's easy to tap on something that your guy's like, oh, you want me to mine this rock? Like, no, I want you to run away from the thing that's yes. shooting the fire. I had that problem. And maybe because I went too fast down the path of sending me into areas I, I wasn't really used to yet because I just need this resource to complete the quest, there was a lot of one-hit deaths, I felt. Like, of I got hit by this thing once, and I'm dead. Like, that irritated me. There's a very clear power progression there. And, and the trick, one of the things I had to realize early on was you don't get anything for killing stuff. There's no experience. It's all through equipment that you craft from Yes. Items. Um, I got to a point in my game, and I'm at where I'm at right now, and I feel like I have missed a quest or an item or a random drop because I don't have the next workbench level. Yeah. And 
I have no way to upgrade. Like, I have the top gear, and I've been running around for three hours with the same set of gear, and that is way off of the progression so far that it has been. And I feel like, because I am collecting recipes from random drops to a workbench I only have a silhouette of. I haven't actually gotten the workbench. Um, that is one of the notes I made in the complaint of the RNG system. Like, it does put a lot into its RNG system. And... The thing about true RNG is it can be streaky, and this is normal and natural. And then so it's possible to have a really amazing streak and then just have a really long drought and that they might need to massage this numbers a little bit. There's a quest I got uh, on the little trees that have the orange circles on them, the little like V branches. They have orange bulbs on them. They drop orange circle things that you collect for a resource. And occasionally they drop one that's like a volatile gas sack or something. And the one guy who likes to make bombs is like, hey, give me five of those. And it took me like three to four hours to get five random drops off those trees of that particular item that he wanted. No way to grow it, no way to get around it. And such that by the time I completed his quest, he's like, here is this trinket that is completely useless to you because you have evolved like three levels of weapons above this. And it's just like now I have to catch up a whole bunch of quest lines that have no meaningful reward because I got bit hard by RNG and I just didn't get the drops. Like I was up there and it's like, I need five of these and I have four. And I'm just finding tree after tree after tree, getting to the point where I wasn't even fighting monsters. I was just running to the next tree I could find that dropped those. Uh, that little orange branch thing for an hour, just running for it. No, it didn't drop it. No, it didn't drop it. No, it didn't drop it. And that got uh, frustrating. Now, the one thing I noticed about the quest is it seems like the quest at the very top of your quest log, that was the one that progressed the main storyline. I think there was like a little orange bar over it or something. So all the quests in under that, you could pretty much ignore. I mean, it might give you some new snacks okay. or something. But it actually may- progressed the game to get to the next biome. I think that one at the top was the one. If there is, yeah, maybe they, that's not highlighted enough where I call it, where there is like a main quest concept, yeah. and then the rest of these are side quests. But I mean, I just looked at my quest list, and whichever I'm closest <laughs> to gets done next. Um, some side quest chains, though, where, okay, you have to complete this one if you get this one to get. There's several side quest chains. Yeah. yeah there's, there's multiple. Like, I, I did all the quests, I think, in the uh, starting zone. Um, I don't think I have any quests left I can do there. I uh, have upgraded every single pet because that is one of my favorite moments is when you get the pet and it does a dubstep and it does the it's so big and like I don't even use but two pets. Like I used the jumping jump guy and then I got to the bog and I got the guy that hurls the fire and he is so powerful. It's like not even worth it to try another pet. Most of the pets because of their attack patterns are designed right, or the same as they are when they're the monster. They're designed for you to be able to avoid. And so most of the pets never hit the monsters because the monsters move, and that's all you have to do to avoid attacks. And their attacks aren't that good. But the guy that spits fire up in the air just carpet bombs a region. And so he's always hitting things. I just use these two pets. But I have gone out and killed so many ancient glutterflies so that Buck Bumble could be level three. And he is named Buck Bumble. That is uh, what I named my pet. So I have all the pets, and they're upgraded as far as I can do. I've been frustrated because the bog has been stingy. The bog has a lot of dangerous vicious uh, compared to the prior zone. The attack patterns. 
And, and it's real easy when you're using the guy that's carpet bombing to all of a sudden have seven things attacking you at once, which is a nightmare. Um, and I haven't been getting eggs for the pets. Now, I may not be getting eggs for the pets because I might actually have to have the place to craft the egg before I can get the egg drop. I've been wondering if that's why I haven't done it. Going to crafting system. I can't get it. Um, let me look, run down the notes that I made here. Um, there's a lot of materials in the game, but because of the tight loop, the materials become uh, useless fast. And I can't let go of farming them. Like, when I had to go find those little gas sacks, every time I walk by one of those trees, I farm it for no reason. There's no benefit or nothing. You know, I see those little blue crystals, and those are ones that I had to look all over the map to find. And if I see one, I go out of my way to get it. I don't care. And I, there's nothing for me. There's no need to have it now. Don't they um, explode? No, the little blue crystals um, in the first zone, they're like on, a line, like on a little tiny twig. And they spawn like once every five hours. And there's a quest that you have to get a certain number of them or there's an item that you need a certain number of them. Hmm. Um, speaking of the randomized and the RNG, I like the idea of the randomized stats on the items. I hate the execution. Because it is so hard to get up enough to make multiples of a set. And it's so easy to have such a bad roll that all your prior gear is better than the new gear, even though the new gear is a tier higher. Um, I would want to do three or four rolls on each piece to try to max men stat that, uh, or at least to try, if I ever got a, um orange or purple color, and I just took it. Um, but the, uh, I don't think it's orange, maybe it was green and purple. Uh, blue and purple. There's, there's yeah. some colors. I noticed it followed yeah. the same color scheme as in World of Warcraft, yes. which I think came from Diablo. It's like gray is the worst. Green I think is a little orange bit better. is epics. Uh, blue is a little bit better than purple. Then orange is your best. But yeah, it seemed like it was totally random whether you got a orange or a gray. Because I mean, there there are items that you get one of, and its stats are fixed, mm -hmm. uh, and you need like a special item. Like there's a skull somewhere you might find. If you find that skull, you can make the skull helm, which is a unique helm, which would have been excellent had I crafted at the level it was intended for. No, they. I think they explicitly said you can recycle an item to get some of it. You cannot recycle the epics. Okay. So if you make one of these, you get to make one. Its stats are fixed. It can't be recycled. But if you get a gray one, you can recycle it. Yes. Maybe get a blue. So that was my only problem. I wish there was something I could do to control the quality of item that I get out of this. Um, if they just tightened up the variance, so that it was at least going to be better than maybe the purple tier lower level, you know? Like, okay, if I rolled really great, I can understand that. But if I don't, if I roll average, it shouldn't be less than a blue Yeah, but I found, level. like, with all the items, whether they're blue or green or orange or whatever, they all have the same base stats for, like, a piece of armor. They all have the same amount of health. The only thing that differs is like those bonus stats. Like, oh, does this give you a chance to freeze or does this give you a chance to run faster? There's also a stat called toughness, which I, that might be defense. So that's one stat that really kind of helps you a little bit more. But. When I hit a wiki, uh, one of the, the things it said was toughness is the only stat to really pay attention to. And that's the one to maximize because that percentage is somehow like a direct damage reduction percentage. So the more toughness you can stack on armor, the better you're doing. Uh, the other thing I learned on the wikis, which is not apparent in the game, unless you pay really close attention to reading all the descriptions, is your base attack weapon is critical 
for everything else because every other attack, including the pets, yes. is a percentage of your base attack. So just by getting a better weapon, all your pets do more damage. Which is great, because if you really are attached to one pet, that means it levels through you with the entire game. You know? That's like the first thing I did. I upgraded my weapon before I upgraded any armor or anything else. But I'm a typical glass cannon mage player. Where I want all the I want all offense yeah. I'm not a tank at all. Um, so most of my time uh, spent in the game of the hours played, I felt, is not even in attacking monsters for loot. It's wandering... The, the wasteland area and looking for rare spawn items for requests and that just happens way too often for my taste. Um, I think that the method in which I played this game, which was realizing that it was going to be a lot larger commitment than I thought and I would waited too long to start our game, that I played it in good two to three hour chunks, this would be much better just pick it up when you have time and play it. And then it's just a game you play for a couple months. And it's great that it has 30 hours of content because you can play this really good game. Like you said, you can pick it up and leave it at any time. There's no harm in, in doing that. You're never in a situation, um, unless you're in a direct fight, that you can't just close it and, and move on. Um, and the fights you know when you get away into, and you can always run from a fight too. Every fight I was in felt like I could just run away. And if I died, it was because I got greedy uh, and didn't run away to like regroup. Um, and this game, I felt like, would be a lot better. My entire family started playing it. So one thing about buying it on iOS is it's a family share game. And so we're set up on iOS as a family account. That means everybody, everybody, everybody got iPads for Christmas that didn't have one in the house. So everybody has an iPad now. And it was all like, go play Crashlands because I spent the $5 once. <laughs> and everybody got in the house. And it's just an amazing thing. Even uh, Jasmine, our five-and-a-half-year-old, she's playing it. And she actually has a pet, and is running around. I just, I thought, like, she just like, oh, I want a pet like you got. I want a pet like you got. I'm like, oh, no. Like, this is going to require some reading, maybe. Like, this is, we're just going to have to explain to you, you're not old enough for this game yet. Not because it's content, but because it's mechanics. You can't play it. Nope. She got a pet on an egg drop and hatched it. Um, you know, mom helped her name it David. And she's got a little thumpy guy named David running around with her. And then she's like, I want to upgrade it. <laughs> I don't know. You just have to kill a bunch of stuff. Well, um, I made a lot of Pokemon where you could upgrade your pets. You evolved your pets, and whenever you did that, it had kind of the same fireworks and everything. Yeah, it's very much similar in the, the art when it does that upgrade, and that's what made it so hilarious when it kicks over to, like, the dubstep moment. I'm like, I wish Pokemon did that, yeah. you know? Like, that felt epic, and Pokemon, by comparison, is not. Um, I did mention the one-hit kills. Uh, there's a lot of camp building items that I never really got into for customizing as we talked about because I got obsessed with the, uh, the quest. Although, when we changed zones, right before then, I decided I haven't done this. I should go ahead and just build out a massive base because I have all this stuff and I can just build. Like At that point, I think I was farming trees because uh, I realized you get recipes just as random drops. So I had like a farm, not going for the resources, planting any and every seed I ever got, but just because I might sometimes get a recipe drop out of it, most of the time it was for like a chair or a bed or something, which I went 10 hours into the game before I realized that the beds could heal you. Same here. <laughs> yeah, and that they would change day-night. Yeah. My daughter 
was like, Dad, it says it in the bed description. You should just read it. So yeah. I got to the bog and I was out in some random place. I was like, oh, there's a bed. I wonder what that does. So I slept in the bed. It refills my health. You just found and, a random bed? Yeah, in the bog? there's like a random bed out in the bog. I was like, I wonder if I can create one of those myself. So I was like, oh, this is great. I needed this like 10 hours ago. Because you can just pack up and carry some of these things with you. So there were points yeah. where I actually packed up and carried some of the, the workstations with me. Yeah. And then we just slap it down, change my tracked item, and then pick it back up. I hate that I have to go through that, but it sort of made sense. So right before I found out it was a second zone, I built this massive labyrinth base. Uh, I had the graveyard, but then I like put light poles all around it. I just made it a whole little like shrine of like my 50 headstones. Um, but I had like trophies because you, if you kill some of the bosses, like I don't know if you guys killed the tooth fairy thing. Yeah. Um, it's not called tooth fairy. It's something like that, but. Uh, the thing that seals your teeth, the big uh, they talk about it in lore, and it's a side quest, and if you go down it, then you actually, like, run into it, and it's not an easy fight. It's, like, Dark Souls-level boss pattern wiping you out, like, oh, wow. Um, and it actually got me into crafting bombs and things like that, because I couldn't stop moving. It was like, I have to keep moving, toss a bomb when I can, and just hope my pet uh, kills it over time. Um, but when I finally took that out, you get golden trophies, um, little statues of the bosses that you could then place. So those are in my graveyard area as well. I built a nice wall, walls around everything, a farm, a pet center, a, a workstation center. I built it over a lake so, because at some point you can get an egg that will create a fishing spot. Um, so I could create all the fishing spots. Uh, that I ever needed to fish because actually the fish were really good health items and One of the crafting stations will allow you to combine the fish with some other stuff and make a really powerful health item um, And I still use those Like six hours later in gameplay uh, as my secondary heal so I, I carry two heal items and One will heal me all the way up, but because it's over time They will stack so if I get into real trouble, I'll hit both of those and my guy will shoot back up to full health and then knock down and shoot back up and knock down and shoot back up. Um, you'll see a lot of that on the video if you guys actually watch the video because it's just the fighting style that uh, I've evolved into. Uh, let's see. Do I have any other notes uh, worth mentioning out? Um, the narrative is serviceable. It just is a little too much text. I kind of like it. It's got some of its good moments. It definitely could have used of a pass of like, let's cut out half the lines in the dialogue and focus on the good half. And then they would really punch. You know, if I just had two lines back and forth, and then here's the quest, I would read those two lines. But when it's like four or six, then I just start tapping. Just, I get it, give me, give me, give me. I'll go to my quest log and I'll see what I have to do after you've given it to me. And it just felt... Painful that it was like you're so close because some of them I do read I get a chuckle out of and I probably laugh at like your fifth or sixth line But I, I gotta grind man like I'm on the treadmill. I gotta grind This is this <laughs> yep. is costing me bubbles to be talking to you right now I could be leveling up. I could have had a half a bubble in this entire conversation right now uh, So I was the same way I'd read the first couple of lines of dialogue then I just start clicking and I was wondering if that was just because 
the RPGs that I played when I was a kid, they're like the old NES and Super Nintendo games, they were translated from Japanese and they had limited memory for text. So I'm accustomed to just seeing a couple lines and getting back into the game. Once they start going on and on, I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta get back in the action like you. Go ahead and take it from here. Okay, so uh, this was actually my favorite game out of the thir- three games that we've played so far for this podcast. I uh, played for over 20 hours, and I got to the Tundra area. So I think there's three biomes areas in the game, and so I'm assuming that's the third. You mentioned on your stream chat when I was talking with you that in the menu it actually shows you the yeah. three names. On the quest uh, menu, I think there's like a data tab or something, and then it says, oh, here's your stats for the Savannah, here's your stats for the Bog, and here's your stats for the Tundra. So I'm assuming that's the last area. I mean, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm assuming that's the last area, unless they like, pop up another one below that somehow. Um, as Mike said, this was compared to Don't Starve, which I haven't played. That's another game I'll probably have to pick up and play sometime soon. Um, Actually, I may be the only one that actually bought this on both PC, Steam, and mobile. And I found out it worked pretty well. Um, I noticed if you create, they have like this special butterscotch shenanigans account. Which I never made. Yeah, and which was kind of a pain to set up at first. But you can sync your saves into the cloud. And then you can play it on any of your other devices. So typically what I'd do, like if I'm in bed or watching TV or something, I pick up my tablet, play it on the tablet for a little bit. But then if I wanted to stream it online uh, through Twitch or, what, or through YouTube, then I'd play it on the PC version. And the actual cloud saves actually work pretty well. I think I manually had to sync it a couple of times, but most of the times it would automatically sync for you. Uh, I noticed before I started playing this, there was a post-mortem on Gamma Street. It might be the same article that you found, Dylan, on Kotaku. I don't know. I thought Kotaku was more of a uh, interview, I think, with them. Um, what, you know, like kind of what led them to... Yeah, so the one that I found on Gamma Sutra, it had some of the same thing, like the guy that had cancer and everything, but it also talked about their process of dealing with the gaming press and how they interacted with the press. So this really good article, if you go to Gamma Sutra and just type in Butterscotch Shenanigans or Crash Lens, you should be able to find it. But they had like an issue where they had uh, an embargo until a certain date, but somebody didn't get the message that it was embargoed, and they went ahead and put up a playthrough of the game online. So then everybody else that was embargoed, they started getting upset that so they had to lift the embargo. So it's just a nice account of like actually dealing with the gaming press before you actually release a game. Uh, out to that is that is a danger of giving YouTube streamers games under embargo like the press because they're not used to that what that means and then yeah as soon as one is out then the, the websites are like they're going to get all the traffic on this game there's nothing in it for us anymore exactly um one other thing i thought was interesting from the article and actually the game as well is this was made in st louis so i think st louis is a little bit bigger than knoxville but it's not like one of the gaming centers that you think of like a san francisco or an austin texas or raleigh north carolina so it's like oh well Good games like this can come out of smaller cities. I'm not saying St. Louis is small, but it's kind of like a Knoxville type area. Yeah. Um, and this is in Game Maker, too. I don't know if we hit that hard enough at the beginning, but this is impressive. Like, That's what Jacob uses. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't look at Game Maker and see cloud syncs and serves and 30-hour content and running maps that generate the size they do and not crashing. I did experience some crashes on mobile. It, after about three to four hours of play... 
just a just an app crash. It never lost data. I launched, I got right back in. And I'm gonna say they probably aren't expecting me to play four hours at once on an iPad. <laughs> Yeah, it crashed once for me on PC, and like you, I just restarted it and it came back. And it came back. Really didn't lose much One thing I appreciate, though, is I noticed, like, like you said, you had, they have the cloud sync button, they had a button to rebuild the map. I think they kind of expect, you know, like you said, it went three to four hours. Like, it seemed like a lot of work went into making sure it was stable, even if there was a problem. It wasn't just, well, oops, that happened. It was like, nothing had. Yeah, because the worst thing would be you lost your progress in one of these yeah. games, and then. Now you're grinding on grind you've already done. Uh, one thing that I found out fairly quickly, there was no gamepad support, which I was kind of hoping for, but since it came from like a mobile game, then I can understand that. And also, in that Gamasutra article, I noticed that there were some complaints about the game on Steam Greenlight because it was a mobile port. If you put a mobile port on, uh, Steam Greenlight, people frown upon that. So if you are putting a mobile port of a game on Steam Greenlight, don't say it's a mobile port. Yeah. But it's not against the rules. It's, it's not against the rules, but in the comment section. Yeah, it's just more of a stigma quiet. that somehow the mobile game is less of a game. and It's already out. Especially if they're charging $15 for the PC version, which is the same as the mobile version. That is a different, interesting... And it's yeah. pretty much the same game. I didn't find anything graphically. Maybe the PC version was a little bit better. I noticed in some of like the fishing areas, it was easier to see on PC, the little fishing uh, waves there, but basically everything else was the same as the mobile version. Wait. Oh, you mean the circles on the, yeah, the map? Uh, on the map. Not in the fishing game. Okay, you're not talking about the waves on the top of the no, little no, no, main no. game. Okay. I'm talking about when you're on the main game world, seeing the little circles, the little waves was easier to see in the PC version. Because it's like, the, it. in the bog, the water is green. It's kind of like yellow. And I just couldn't see it on my uh, I noticed like a slight bug just a few minutes into the game, which isn't like a game-breaking bug or anything, but the text, and you really got to be looking for it, but the text will scroll off into the bubble, then that last word will instantaneously for like one frame drop down to the next line. I thought they could have handled that maybe a little bit better. Maybe I'm tapping by too fast to see it. Yeah. Um, one problem I had is when I was creating my Butterscotch account, then it echoed the password to the screen while I was screaming, so that's something you don't want to do for screaming. Uh, or give you a warning, this is going to echo to the screen. It's just a Butterscotch account, so it's not a big deal. But. Honestly, I wouldn't think about that because I don't do a lot of streaming. Yeah. It's just not a good practice, period. Yeah. Uh, when I first started playing, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between what's a floor and what's a wall because I was trying to click on the wall. And just but as I played through the game... The walls don't look like... It's a small complaint. But the walls don't look like walls. They look like a pile of stuff. Yeah. doesn't look like a wall. Uh, the one effect that I really liked is when your health got low, it started getting blurry on the edges and kind of red and everything. And I didn't know if that was a game maker effect or if they had custom code to do that. It's pretty impressive, I thought. Uh, I really liked the fast warp back to my home base. Uh, that saved me a lot of time having to walk all the way back. The music and sound effects, for some reason it really reminded me of Fez. I don't think they took music from Fez, but it's in the same style. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, I thought the collecting uh, got boring at the very beginning of the game. It's like, oh, what am I working towards here? And, but as I got further into the game, it did get interesting as I could see the many different things that I could build in the game. Um, 
And at first, I was trying to figure out oh, what's the point of the game. And I did notice the repeatable cycle that Mike mentioned earlier. Basically, you're gathering your, uh, your resources. Then you build the next workstation. And with that, you can build the next better equipment. Then from that, you can get the next better collection item. It's either like a trowel or a pick. And then that will let you gather the next best items to build the next. So it's this repeatable cycle that you get sucked into. Um, the, the home, home icon, when you click on one of the little warp pads, I thought that was misleading. I thought that would warp me home, but that actually set that warp pad as your home area. Did that as well. Uh, the menu system, I thought it could have been fleshed out a little bit better. There were too many different menus. I would like just to have one menu with multiple tabs. I don't need like an equipment menu because continually having to go in and come out too many times. Uh, when I started first playing the game, in the little rocket ship area or spaceship area, uh, there were pies which regenerated your health. But then when I actually crashed on the planet, I didn't really know how to uh, get my health back at the beginning. Then I realized that you could actually harvest the little flowers and those would uh, let you regain health. So when I was fighting, that was my primary potion or whatever for regaining health. Then I found out you could actually craft different potions. Then, 10 hours into the game, as we discussed earlier, I found out you could actually make a bed, which would have helped a lot sooner in the game. Um, I did think uh, some of the tasks were, uh, took quite a bit of time. And uh, I thought the game moved kind of at a glacial pace the first two hours in, because I was like, okay, how many of these one-legged elephant things do I have to kill to progress the game? But then after two hours, it really started picking up. And at the very beginning, I thought it needed a little bit more variety in the enemies, but later on in the game, there's quite a few different enemies that I came across. And that may be a bit of the RNG, because right at the beginning of the game, I was seeing those guys and the butterfly, the glutterflies, but they were just right on my base. So I already had two enemy types to start with, yeah. Um, and I noticed the little lightning bug butterfly things. They only appear at night. They only appear at night, yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. It sort of made the day-night cycle. But I think it might have just been an RNG role of, well, when Mike's world generated, he got two types of monsters nearby, and you got a big field of one. I fought a lot of those monsters. <laughs> elephant, one-fit elephant monsters things. Uh, I thought the micromanaging of the battle, it got kind of old after a while. Uh, I remember, like in StarCraft, they call it microwing, where you have to take your unit and tell it exactly where to go. I actually formed kind of a battle strategy that worked for me after a while. I would go up, I would take my wrench, because the wrench will stun most enemies. And then once they're stunned, my uh, pet would start attacking the enemy. Then I just tied around the enemy. And then by the time my pet stopped attacking, that I could use to wrench the stun again. And you have to actually do that every now and then to keep your... Or your pet will give up. Um, I stopped using the wrench and started using uh, a flamethrower, and then I had a, a throwing disc blade oh. because they both added a damage over time. Oh, so I stacked a bleeding and a fire damage. Do they stun as well? Uh, no, I don't have a stun. Okay. Um, I could have used the wrench. I'd have to give up a healing potion slot, though. Yeah. Um, but that would speed things up a little bit. I had like my two potions and then my two throwables so I could... Yeah, that's the way I played it. Yeah. I had the uh, same problem that you guys mentioned earlier when I'm 
trying to dodge an enemy, then I accidentally either click like a harvestable resource, then I just stop and then he one yeah. shots me. So, or the enemy jumps up and I click the enemy again. I was like, uh. So I did have an issue with that. Uh, I thought the player moved a little bit too slow in combat. Uh, there were some upgrades in the game to help you move faster, but those were like those random upgrades. There wasn't like a single item that let you move faster. I feel like that was by design because the way the combat was designed, yeah. speed makes you way more powerful. Exactly. Uh, as Dylan mentioned earlier, there's no experience in the game. I didn't know if this was really a bad thing. I thought that was kind of unique where the equipment and armor are your experience in the level. Uh, the pathfinding algorithm, I thought that was not the best at times. Like, oh, I just want to go to the other side of this lake. I click here and you walk straight into the lake and you just can't move or you can't move around the wall or something like that. Um, it would be nice in the quest log if they actually highlighted what you needed to do. I know on the world map it gave you like a little circle logo up here, but I don't want to read like five pages of text. And sometimes you had to do that. Just to tell me what out. I need to get or where I need to go or who I need to see. Or at least maybe even just highlight five blah blah blahs, you yeah. know? And that way it's like, okay, that's what I need to read. That's how they do it in World of Warcraft. So here's what you need to get if you want to read all the lore you can, but we're not forcing you to do that. Um, it'd also be nice if they gave you a little uh, quest completion stats on what you need to gather at the time. I like the equipment comparison screen when you got a new piece of armor. Usually I always took the better piece of armor, but it's kind of nice to see, okay, this is what I had, this is what I'm upgrading to, and do I really want to pick the next best thing. Uh, one small thing that I noticed in the game that I like is when you're harvesting the different resources, when you hit it with your harvester item, it will actually shake a little bit. I thought that was kind of a nice effect because a lot of other games it would just like be stationary. Uh, I wish there were more attacks in the game, sort of like a League of Legends style. Now, you said there's like flamethrowers. I didn't find any of the, right? I know there were like bombs and things in the game, but I wish there were more just like base weapons aside from the sword, like some range weapons. Yeah, it's a, it's a slot weapon, so it never replaces your main weapon. Your main weapon is always the same sort of bash it weapon. Yeah. And then in the slots where you're loading healing items, you can load these alternate weapons like your wrench, and these are craftables. Um, I mean, I just started going down the list because mostly because, you know, getting stuck, and it's like, what have I not crafted, you know? And yeah. it's like, well, I can make a flamethrower because I have so many of these things. So. Now, was the flamethrower a permanent item? Because I'm really stingy with my consumables. Yeah, these are permanent, yes. Oh, okay. Because okay. I saw some things like the bombs, like, yeah, I could make that, but I don't want to rely on things that I have to craft every time. I had the same, same reaction to bombs. Like, I'll build a throwable that... I always get back. Yeah. yeah. It's just, just boss fights with me. You know, it's like, okay, boss fight, we can use consumables. Other than that, no, suck it up. I found that using I items was easier on the PC version because with the tablet, uh, you're having to move around and dodge the enemies. Yeah. Then press down here to use a potion or your wrench or whatever. With the PC version, you just have it on ASDF and you can click around oh, and yeah. use a potion. <laughs> Always be moving. Yeah, exactly. Always be moving. That's the key to this Don't game. let yourself stop and then go to heal because you're already dead. Uh, I really liked how big the map is for either any of the three areas. Uh, but it wasn't a very interesting map. I mean, I'm sure... I, I was trying to figure out, is this randomly generated for every player? Like the position of all the things and the bases? It feels of, like it. It feels like it. And... Uh, at one time, I just kept walking north for like 20 minutes. 
it was like, will this ever end? Will I ever reach the top of the map? And it never did. So I guess that's why it always is generating chunks or loading chunks and things like that. So it dynamically generates all those different areas as you play through the game. Uh, I actually wanted in, uh, wanted to touch and move the map on the tablet version. That was one of my complaints. You had to use the arrow keys. It just didn't feel natural that I had to use the arrow keys on the map. Uh, this is the in-game map where you're zooming around and everything. And I wonder how many things, things like that, because anytime I, like I said, any encountered something like that, I always had the reaction of, well, it's probably Game Makers. Yeah. And then it's a horrible feeling. There's a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, there's that Game Maker collision right there. <laughs> that, I was not hit by that thing. Yeah, uh, on the PC version, it worked pretty well because I could just use your A, S, D, and F, or W keys to move around, but it's a little bit more difficult on tablet. Uh... The friendly NPCs, I didn't know why they all looked the same. There were slight variations, but I wish there were more variations in the types of NPCs. And a lot of them just looked plain ugly to me. It's like, I, I guess that was just the style they were going for there. Um, I wish there were... Well, some of the monsters, some of the enemies, I like how they reuse some of those. Like, the first one was like the baby, and then the next was the mother, and then they had the grandfather, which was a different palette swap color. So it added a little bit of variety in the monsters that they had without actually creating all new monsters. Uh, one problem I had is that I thought your pet needs to be a different color than the enemies. Because when I was fighting enemies that were the same as my pet, I'm like, okay, which one's my pet? Which I've, had that, I've had that happen, especially when I trigger like seven at once. Yeah, or at least the little arrow or some, some little circle around your actual <laughs> pet. Uh, I didn't see much purpose in the floors and furniture. I'm not a Minecraft guy. I'm not into building my house or anything. I did find the bed helpful. That was like the one thing that I saw an actual utility use there. So. Uh, I thought whenever an enemy was attacking you, the little red area that shows where he's attacking, I thought that was really helpful. That way you can get out of the way. I could only imagine if they didn't have that and you're trying to figure out where they're going to attack, that would have drove me up the wall. So I thought that was a nice feature that I would like to see more games use that attack area. I feel like that was part of their combat system. Like they designed the attacks so that, oh, you know, you knew that. Like, yeah. Yeah. If they, if they didn't have that, it just wouldn't have been. I would have been frustrated. Yeah. It's, it's very much a reacting to the game. Exactly. Um,. Another little thing that I thought was uh, helped the aesthetics of the game was the little bugs moving around. They didn't serve any purpose at all, but I thought it made the world more alive. You could squish them. You could squish them. I forgot about I that. Squished so a lot of them. I didn't like that whenever you crafted an item, it doesn't automatically put it in your inventory. So you actually had to go back to whatever. Mm. Yeah workstation is and actually click it yes i really want this item in my inventory. and i didn't put that note down um but i, I totally that is something that bothered me this is not a free-to-play game you get all the content why are there five minute and, and x minute timers yeah like okay a few seconds you know make it feel like work's being done yeah, why is there a five minute timer on this item that is ridiculous yeah i didn't understand that either i, I think I suspect what they wanted was the idea of like you're queuing these things up and you can, you know, like you feel like you're managing a lot more. I almost feel like a weird inverse game design evolution of free to play, had these mechanics to drive money, 
but these are the games we're playing. So when we sit down to make our own game, that's just sort of the normal. So it goes in unquestioned of like, no, no, you don't need that. That timer is there to extract money out of you. It's not fun. Take it out. There's no like that they, took out, they took out inventory management. This, this is, is sort of the same thing. thing. I wish they wouldn't have, by the way, either, because there are certain items you can't figure out how many you have. There is no way to know if oh, yeah. it's not an equipable item. You don't know how many things of X you have if you don't have it up on a track. Oh, yeah, the crafting items you have to go to. So if, yeah, if you needed, like, orange circles and you have no idea how many you have, there's no way to find out except grab another orange circle and maybe catch the chat log real quick. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, the delay of actually getting your items, it reminded me of, like, a Farmville or a Clash of Clans. It works great for free to play, but especially when you're playing against other people, and that gives you, like, a, a cool... Then it's a balance mechanic. Exactly, yeah. but not in a single-player game. <laughs> Uh, but I thought this would have been really good, like as a massively player game. I know that would have taken a lot of extra time. Uh, it might happen because Don't Starve, like a year and a half later, released Don't Starve together and then oh. added it because it was like a really demanded feature, but it takes a lot of time. So they hammer out the single player game, get it really tight, and now they add in that, and then it becomes a lot more fun just to run around with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked was the slow-in effect whenever you click on, like, your bed or one of the teleporters. I didn't know if that was something you can do in Default by Game Maker, if that's something they pulled in from some external library. Uh, your little G-Spox companion, the little robot, I understand that he was there for the story and everything. I didn't understand why he randomly switched shapes throughout the game, like he becomes a tray, and I guess you're supposed to get the blocks to put on the tray, then after he gets three blocks and you go to the next area, then he turns back into a juice box. So I didn't understand that. I think point. he was carrying your packages. That I mean, ultimately, that's the story, right? Yeah. I got to get my packages because I'm in the shipping, um, I'm space shipper shipping, yeah. shipping, department shipping of shipping, yeah. or whatever the joke is. So I guess he's like a transformer or something. And uh, yeah, and it's like when he, when he had the packages, he was one shape, and then head of witty go whatever guy like takes them then he's smaller because he didn't have the packages anymore yeah but i guess you just gonna be lucky to catch that line of dialogue yeah yeah i didn't yeah as i said earlier a lot of times i was just clicking through the text there to get to the next thing uh i noticed a lot of the inside jokes to the game there's like one character named after rick roll and then wherever you attack an item it says a wild something appears i think that's from pokemon pokemon yeah definitely um I liked, I didn't notice it until I was like halfway through the bog, but there's like a theme correlation between the types of enemies that you're fighting and the workstation and the items. Like there's like the Snorble, I don't know if you got that far, but this little puffy cloud guy. So the workstation related to that creature also looked puffy and white. And then the uh, items that you craft are also in that same style. So that gives you kind of an idea. I got this workstation. So this is the type, like the little mustache, purple mountain guys, like the uh, items that you equip also have that same style. Yeah, they all, they all did work that way. Of like each workstation is around a particular resource type that comes from a particular monster type, um, has a pet and stuff like that. And then as you move up, you, everything kind of changes with the workstation. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if they don't have a design doc that sort of connect each station to each monster type. And where they expected you to be in the world when you got it. So, like the um, when you hit the ball, you've got that red. The Voma or something. Voma, and you've got the, the workstation is like this red area too, exactly. and ever, all the resources are taking 
the Vloma flaps or the things, the jollies that you toss the stuff into and take the explosion yeah. from. I thought that was a really good design. I mean, it just ties everything together, the enemies with the workstations and the equipment there. Uh, and I like the enemy design. I like, I think I read somewhere either in the Goma Sutra article that they use Inkscape graphics. So Inkscape, that's a free program that anybody can wow. go out and download and use. Great. So you can create uh, graphics like that for, uh, that are used in this game. Uh, I like the different varying attack patterns of the different enemies. Every enemy had a unique attack. It wasn't just like they walk up and attack you or anything. But I found that I used the same attack pattern to defeat all the... I, I did my wrench, I walked around, kited around, and let my pet kill. So there really wasn't much variety in my attack Always pattern. be moving. You still had to, to learn them. I think that was still good. So, yep, that's all I had for uh, Crash Lines. I think it's worth reiterating one more time, because you even said at the beginning of your thing, like, this is your favorite game that we've done so far. I really like this game. We've nitpicked it a lot, and so I just want to reiterate, like, overall, we were kind of happy with the experience. We dumped so many hours into this <laughs> yeah. game. So it may you sound, uh, you know, like we're not doing a review. We're doing a critique on the mechanics and things like that, and so that's why it may sound harsher then the game is it's actually i think worth it to we, check out we are game developers so that's yeah. kind of what we do we this is what we're doing we're here games. to pick these nits. even the good games I mean. yes the game design group yeah. <laughs> all right so thank everyone uh for tuning in and listening again our next game is dark moss and just a real quick run around the room where can everybody find information on you or anything you want to plug levi go uh you can find me on twitter ga tech grad also have a website levidsmith.com i've been working on a game this month uh in march uh, it's based on a classic arcade paper delivery game <laughs> which you can <laughs> download on itch.io so i've been working on that using make human and blender to do some animations been working on that for like the last three or four weeks so pretty happy with what I've developed. I'm just around the internet if, uh, if you need to find me. <laughs> <laughs> if, you need, if, you, if you need to find me, you already know how. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Same with Jacob uh, here. <laughs> same with Jacob. All right. Dylan? Uh, Dylan Wolf on Twitter. DylanWolf.com. Nothing in particular. Nothing in particular. Really, plug. Uh, trying to... Um, all my stuff is Vinyl, V-I-N-U-L-L, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, and also Vinyl.com for our website. And I still am not at a point of publicly showing these games off, and I've kind of got I didn't because I'm backburnering one. Cause I'm sort of trying to come up with some arcade game ideas because we might be making an arcade cabinet in the group and running our own custom games. So I'm I'm digging up old game ideas and going, this might actually work good as a good arcade game um, or something interesting to play there. All right, thank you everyone for listening. Again, if you want to learn more about the group or come out, all you have to do uh, to be on the podcast is come out and have played the game. Uh, you want to find out more about the group um, or catch back issues or things like that of the podcast, knoxgamedesign.org. You can also uh, find us on iTunes. You can like, comment, and subscribe to us there. Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, actually, leaving us a review on iTunes uh, does actually help quite a bit we jumped up quite a bit when you search for game design, and we jumped up quite a bit when you search for Knoxville. And it was kind of cool to see that. And I'm hoping when the next one comes up, we'll get another, because we only release it once every month. So um, we're going to have to take it as we can get it. So it, it was making an impact. We don't have enough ratings to show a rating. And be honest, I'm not asking any uh, false ratings. Don't, you don't have to give us five stars. 
Um, but activity on the show is something that Apple looks at as far as like where do we feature you in search hits and how accurate you are. So that always helps us. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. And goodbye.